0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shut Up and Sit Down, a podcast all about board games, card games, all the games you can play in your very own house. And this week, the city of Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Is anyone here from Philadelphia? Who's here? Yeah? A lot of people. Six people. Sixteen people. I've had a great time in the city. We did some tourist stuff on the first day we got here. We went to prison. Quinn's took me to a prison and it was really just, it was amazing. He was, it was so happy. We were on a tour bus going through all the stops, it was hop on, hop off, and uh, we passed a massive prison and the bus stopped and I went, manus let's get off. <laughs> <laughs> because we heard that Steve Buscemi uh, does the audio tour of the penitentiary here in, uh, yeah, some applause there, some applause. Steve Buscemi's in the house, everybody. It's great. <laughs> um, if you have time to go to prison before you leave Philadelphia, then do. That's what I say. Uh, Yeah, it was a prison. It was the first uh, prison founded in America with reform. Also, the first building in America with uh, modern plumbing. Also, in Philadelphia, the first building in America built by a female architect. And it's, yeah, it's pretty dope. And then it's got all these crazy angles because it's designed so that every single apartment in it gets exactly the same amount of light. Uh, We thought it was really cool. Yeah, we thought it was great. Other good things about Philadelphia include a food market where you can buy all kinds of crazy stuff. Like a chocolate onion. Chocolate onion. Sorry, one second, Matt. No. No. <laughs> oh, you. Who wants to... So, we don't have any jingles. Uh, we don't have jingles on our actual podcast, but we especially don't have them today because we're live. So, we're going to be singing them live today. We're going to be vibing it. So, uh... This thing, right? I saw these, and it's like... It's, 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 a, it's an onion covered in chocolate, for those of you at home. But it's not even... It's still got the skin on it. No, 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 no. I had a conversation with the girl. So they have to leave the skin where the chocolate doesn't meet because otherwise the onion would go stale. Sure. So the skin is missing under the chocolate. Anyway, jingle. Who wants to see Matt eat onion? <laughs> Onions covered in chocolate. Everybody, this is it. Onion, 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 onion. Hurry up, hurry up. Take the paper off faster. Hurry up, this crowd cut. Can- there you go. <laughs> I, it is. I feel got a skin on it. It's just an onion covered in chocolate. What is wrong with you? That's gross. <laughs> I told you it was just an onion covered in chocolate. What do you think it was? <laughs> if you're listening to this, this is a podcast about board games. That's really disgusting. That's horrible. Why would they do that? What is wrong with you, Philadelphia? Okay. So, will someone, will someone yell? We bought it. She's got a point. Yeah. (laughs) They saw us coming, and they dipped onions in chocolate. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's... uh we got some. We got some side sort of some uh, some side quests we can do on this podcast. We've got some exciting stuff here. I'm just going to come up and say this outright. Like we. Oh wait, are you going to reveal it? No, no, no. I'm not going to reveal it. I'm just going to say that. Like for us, when we come to conventions, even with this one where we like we, we try to be resolute with ourselves this time, we're just going to try and have a nice time, play some games, you know, talk to people, chill out, and then we have the mad. We always get the fear whenever we come to conventions because we feel like we have to find and play some interesting things here so we can then talk about them. And it, sometimes it's a real. It's a real struggle, and you're like, oh god, next game, next Well, We've found we've some crackers today, so we've got some really exciting stuff coming on this podcast. We like, have I'm one, excited to talk about stuff. Just as we approach the end of 2018, I found a game at this very convention that is a candidate for my game of the year. But you all have to sit and listen to us talk about podcasts for 30 minutes before we dic- talk about board games, before we get to that. So uh, we begin our first feature, everybody. Who here likes board games? <laughs> Are you going to throw that chocolate onion into the audience? Like rock and roll. I just need it out of my peripheral <laughs> the, vision. The, the fact that all the audience are like, No! <laughs> <laughs> I have thrown onions at people at live shows before. It's not a yeah. like Matt's other podcast. It's not a habit I should do. Okay, so Matt, do you want to give, us, give this jingle a sing with me? Yeah, Who, so Quibbs <laughs> has just written names of jingles down and I have to come up with them. No, you don't. We're going to sing them together. Oh, oh okay. Okay, right? <laughs> Card games that that make us feel bad. That was better than I was expecting. Uh, I thought we were going to go for the somewhere over the rainbow there. Oh, card Card games games that make make us feel bad. It's a real shame. Uh, No, because these games are actually all pretty good. Um, They just made us feel bad. Oh, my word. Uh, So there's a recurring theme. First off, let's talk about uh, Capital Lux, Uh, which... This is really more of a story about my jet lag than anything else. This is the thing, like, when we review games, hopefully what we, we aim to do is to put out videos or writing or, or whatever and to, to be like, to project the enthusiasm or the, or the critique that we want to, but you forget that before we do that, we need to break through so many layers of just sometimes not having a great time, which is hilarious for different reasons. <laughs> and Sometimes we're just not having a great time, as other humans don't, just because we're really tired. Yeah. And Quinn's was really, really tired as we tried to play uh, a card game called Capital Lux. Yep, Capital Lux. Uh, really quite interesting uh, game. Uh, the the gist of it is vague. Uh, you're all sort of in space, and there's a capital city. None of you like it, and you all have your own town. Essentially, there are four colors of cards, four colors of colonists with different numbers. So if I play a green two, that's fine, so long as the capital at the end of the round has more green than my town because if my town has more green than the capital the capital comes and apparently murders everyone in my town to be clear it's one of these games where it kind of has a theme but it's just like look you're doing stuff with cards with numbers on and it's maybe in space um it's like that for me was just not a thing at all but like it was kind of like playing blackjack with other people of trying to get as close as you can to the current mark but the mark might change it's blackjack instead of where instead of trying to go under 21 it's under whatever your Dickhead friends yeah. have decided, <laughs> and there are secret modifier cards, so you can be like, "Oh, I'm under 18," which is fine. But then it's a mo- your friend secretly played a minus three. But it was really so now, smart, and it has a ton one of in things. In the back of, of the head. Yeah, of being like, you know, you can you can bump the number down to cause other people problems. You can have secret modifiers, so one player knows that actually the the number you're aiming for is higher or lower than it appears to be. Yeah, I, I you know on the second game round, I was like, I started to realize there was a lot to do in terms of. Uh, how careful you are with your hands, is quite hard to describe because it's really abstract. Yeah, it's quite abstract. We had an interesting thing with This Game is Capital Lux, one more time, um, where really there's very few pieces of art. The co- different colours of cards are just for people. Um, and that was the only art asset, so like, it really, how much do we like the art came down to sort of, Matt just really liked these people, and I'm like, I don't like these people which was like a really pathetic reason to not like the art of a game but there wasn't yeah. much else to go on it was bizarre we ended up having like a slightly grumpy argument on whether or not the art in this game was was good or not after we just spent like the whole day like going around like the museum of art and talking about How how subjective it was. What do you think about this Mondrian? Oh, it makes me feel nothing. Oh, I find it quite... And then we go back and say, well, I think the art in this is bad. Well, I think it's good. (laughs) And then that being the basis of an argument. It was a a moment of madness. Yeah, um, however, capital Lux, which we'll move on from, because we don't have that much to say about it, but... Oh I, my goodness. I, I'm looking forward to playing more of it, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about Hanami Koji. Oh man, that game. I was teaching some, some applause there, scattered applause from Mr. Hanami Koji in the audience. Um, <laughs> Thanks I, for coming. I was teaching um, a rumble of people to, ta- to play Flamme Rouge and Mysterium last night, which was fun, but yet someone was there. Nice, there you go. Um, and that was great because you teach a rumble of people to play Mysterium and they all start playing and then like within about 15 minutes, at least one person from each table is stood over the table like this. Yeah. (laughs) like Just to look vertically down on the cards. So that was nice. Um, People got really into it, yeah. While I was teaching these games, Matt was playing Hanami Koji, and occasionally I'd take breaks to go back to the room. And Matt and our friend Ben were sort of sat at the table, both frowning at this very small, simple card game, and me being like, how is it? And Matt being like, it makes you feel terrible. (laughs) It's the strangest thing. And it's actually kind of like the reverse, like Quinn's had the experience with, when he was playing Capital Luxe, of being, of like, clearly it's a good game, but you just, for, sometimes it's a combination of tiredness, or maybe just your brain doesn't quite work in the exact way that the game wants it to, that you think, this is good, but it's like, it's hurting me to do it, and. <laughs> I've never had that with a board game before. It was pretty unique. Yeah. I explain the theme? Oh, Hanamakoji is basically, you are, I believe you run restaurants, but there's no restaurants in it. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's, there's seven geisha, I believe. Is at, that in feudal Japan? Approximately seven geisha. And uh, you have to win their favour by putting cards down. And that's basically it. But you're trying to win the favour of the majority of them. By there's giving a, them gifts, right? Like, by there's one geisha gifts. who likes umbrellas. Yes. And so by the end of the game, she's been bought 17 umbrellas. I have another umbrella for you! <laughs> Will you go to dinner at my restaurant? <laughs> it's weird. Like, I mean, thematically again, it's like you're trying to tempt somebody to come to dinner in your restaurant with umbrellas. Sure, you're tempting you them to come and work in the restaurant. That makes more sense. <laughs> I don't listen when people are doing the kind of like theme bits of the. I, I want the theme to come out in the game, and for me, it was a game of love and umbrellas. But now you point out it's not. That makes more sense. Anyway, um, basically, in this game, it's very simple. You have a small hand of cards. You have four things you can do, and each round, you both do all four things. Um, and then that's the end of the round. You see who has the most cards on each side, because you all have, you know, who's got, you've got three umbrellas? Oh, he's got two umbrellas. That means I've won the Geisha's favor because I gave her one more umbrella. <laughs> Anyone, you know, doesn't regardless of sexuality, umbrellas, guys, just get on it. More umbrellas, just keep giving umbrellas. All the women in the house go crazy for umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most pathetic half-hearted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this because you asked us to. I don't um, feel strongly about umbrellas. <laughs> Parasols, though, <there>, right? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, slightly more, marginally. Anyway, who remembers giving Eris the parasol in Final Fantasy 7 One person. <laughs> We're talking after the podcast. <laughs> so, um, you've got these four things you can do, right? And and what? some of them involve you using lots of your cards, some of them involve just using one or two. Um, but it's horrible because basically, like, Every single thing you can do, you don't want to do yet <laughs> at, at, at all points of the game. Like, the one thing you can do that's good is you can be like, mm, this card in my hand, I definitely want this. So I'll put it to one side and I'll put a thing on it and I definitely get it at the end. That's a nice little action you can do. The rest of them are all bad. But then the problem is you think, well, I'll do that first. But then you're choosing the card you get at the end of the round before you really know what the round looks like. Oh, so So theoretically you should do the bad things first. Yeah. So the other things you can do is like, oh, just get rid of the two cards in your hand. But which ones do you want to get rid of? Because you don't know (laughs) what it's going to look like yet. And then by the end of the round, you're like, well, I don't want to get rid of these. I've only got three cards. I've got to get rid of two of them. Ah, This is a nightmare. The The other action I saw you doing that you looked in physical pain from was you take your hand of cards, divide it into two piles, and your opponent just takes one of them. Yeah, these? it's t- two, two, cu- t- two sets of two cards, and then they choose one, right? And another one where you give them three cards, they choose one, and then you get the other two, which is really... That mechanic is really neat. It's like probably my favorite mechanic in like um, in and Ladies it. and Gentlemen, which like is probably the mechanic that was like the strongest point in the game, was the idea of being like, please buy this thing and not this thing, and <laughs> trying to tease people towards doing one thing and not the other and seeing if it works. Yeah. But when the whole game is that, it's just <laughs> like you constantly have a hand of cards, and you think, "Well, I need all of these, but then which ones am I going to give them?" And yeah, it was funny because it was like it was clearly a really good game. It was really elegant. It was really neat. The art's wonderful. But there was not a single point of it that wasn't stressful. There was there was no point that you, you did look, something. You never smiled. No. For the duration there was no point when game. you did something and thought, "Yeah." And actually, the only time when you felt mildly happy was when you did something that was a non-choice. And a couple of times, me <laughs> and the guys playing with Ben Kutcher, they were like. We both did the same thing at one point of just being like, oh, pick one of these three cards, and all three cards were the same card. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was the only... It wasn't even like you felt good, it was just a a moment of peace where you're like, I know what's going to happen here, and it's, it's, you know, I don't know if that's going to be good or not, but... Yeah, Uh, it was just intensely stressful, and I found myself just being like, this is clearly quite good, but I I don't know what kind of person would play it for pleasure. Yeah, you were saying that um, you could not imagine someone being like, well, this is my favourite game. Yeah, like... (laughs) Unless you are literally somebody who just enjoys watching other people squirm, constantly. Um, yeah? Chocolate-covered onion people, yeah. The sort of people who make chocolate-covered onions, maybe... But it seems harsh, because it's not a bad game, it's just like... Actually, the observation I had towards the end was the fact that, like, there's a lot of things with video games, the fact that sometimes you play a video game, and you're like, oh, this game's great, but then... The more you play video games the more you have an understanding of how they're made, I find myself increasingly being like, is this game fun or is it just specifically designed to tickle the part of my brain that tells me I'm excited? And with this, it kind of felt like the game was constantly stressful, which was kind of telling my brain that the game was exciting, but it's like, is it exciting or is it just stressful? Yeah, well, we can, we've got another game like that later on. Um, the third and final card game that made us feel bad uh, is Plums. Plums uh, from Crash, of, uh, from, uh, Crash Games. What's up? Now, Plums was on. I, I, when I had... That was when I hit my rock bottom, I think. I had... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt bottomed out during Plums. Uh, Plums is a game... Of, you put the cards out, and it's like... It looks like it's like Cones of Dunshire, the card game. Uh, because you put the cards out, and then most of the cards have pictures of fruit on them. There's a deck of cards with, like, pie on. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. But not, like, pie you eat. Like, pie, the mathematical symbol. Yeah. And then there's a dog. But then you like you take the dog card and you flip it over, and on the reverse of the dog card is the same card with a different dog. <laughs> so you've got the dog card. There are three decks, cards. one with butterflies, one with caterpillars, one with... It's it's uh, bizarre. I mean, it's all tied together to do with, you know, mathematical... A um, uh, particular math... I think German, maybe, mathematician, who was uh, almost certainly wrong about that, who uh, did a lot of work with Pi and then detecting mathematical signs in nature. Is it a Fibonacci thing? I don't know. Anyway, it's maths, animals, fruit... The whole world is just atoms. <laughs> really <laughs> makes you think. I'm saying this as if I didn't like it. I actually really liked it. So it really very cool. simply, this is a trick-taking game where players, in order, have to um, play numbered cards from their hand. So, like, you play a seven orange, and I play a 19 cherry. And, you know, all these cards appear in the shop. And then the person who played the highest number gets first pick of the cards. But in addition to the number and the fruit, the cards have special powers. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that one orange will give me five victory points, so I'll take that. But then you're also building sets. Or, three, or a card that gives you three slices of the mathematical equation pie. Are we going to be able to describe this in a way that makes any sense? I mean, it is very Cones of dunshire as he says. It's like I found it bemusing in the fact that we didn't... Like I remember there was a point towards the end of the first round where like none of us really had any idea what was going on, <laughs> to the point where I was like, Quins, you've still got all this fruit in front of you you haven't done sets with. And he's like, yeah, and I'm like, Well, the second round isn't fruit, it's insects. So all that fruit is going to be useless. (laughs) And you were like, what? But it's just because I got confused because the card backs for the second round had like insects on them. And it's like, no, there's no reason for that. It's just more fruit. It's just more fruit. And I was like, what's going on? What is this game? Uh, so that's Plums from Crash Games. I mean, like it was actually it was really good. Um, it was actually really strong. It's I just, my favourite of the three cut I, I couldn't games. work out how to do it. And every time I'm like, maybe this is a good move. And it was just, I, I just, it was terrible. So yeah, honestly, quite a strong trick-taking game uh, that we enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, Matt, I feel bad for making you eat that chocolate orange. So I've got one more thing. Was it chocolate garlic? That sounds good, actually. From the same shop. Aww. In the words of Brad Pitt from <coughs> Seven... Would you, what's in the box? Yeah, the audience know it. What's in the box? What's in the box? This is like the worst advent calendar I've ever had. <laughs> what's in the box? Oh my word. It's a chocolate nose. It's a chocolate nose. And it's not that dissimilar to my nose. That's true, I didn't know that when I bought it. But what could be inside the chocolate nose? <laughs> For the people at home, Matt has dropped the chocolate in horror. It's us n- bite into it. It's not a nose. Let's find out. It? <laughs> it's not my nose. What's in the nose? You haven't cloned me, cut <laughs> off my clone's nose, and covered it in chocolate. It's amazing what you can get in the Philadelphia market. If you have, market. I quit. Because <laughs> that's a step too far. He's taking a bite, ladies and gents. It was just chocolate. <laughs> Full marks for bravery, though. OK, uh, Matt, with a f- mouthful of food, are you ready to sing this next jingle? Chocolate is like the worst thing for public speaking yeah, really as well. It you up. Yep, yeah, really bad. Sure, let's sing a song. Uh, do you want to sing this to the tune of um, Toto's Africa? <laughs> the chorus? Yeah. yeah. No, we should build up to it. But... <laughs> no, actually, no. What? The? That's not how it goes. <laughs> Euro games are actually quite good. You're a game. Games that were actually quite good. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Sorry. One person in the audience enjoyed it. It's I've good. got chocolate in my mouth. I went add to that one person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scattered applause. Never felt more pitied by an audience. <laughs> uh, hey. are like, There's no one within a ten foot radius of me clapping. I bet. I bet. I bet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Uh, you might be aware, uh, Renegade Games uh, are a publisher who made Clank, and they made a truly awesome trick-taking game, which we'll be covering on the site soon, called Fox in the Forest. Um, we picked up a new game from them and just played it called Pie Town. Uh, pie Town looks, for all extents and purposes, like a children's Euro game. And I tell you what, I can't swear on this podcast, but it's fudging not. <laughs> um, it is a game about running pie shops. How am I going to describe this in a way that makes it that means it doesn't sound childish so all your workers are dice so you can send them to bake pies or collect ingredients from the orchard or to upgrade your restaurant or hire new workers but Different tasks will make them better or worse at their job. Yes, yeah, so the dice you roll to different sides to be like this. this so yeah, dice. if you go and bake pies for 70 years, then you end up being a six. Yeah, it's you like real anything. Like, if you bake pies or go and pick fruit, then you get you become a, a more valuable worker, but you do anything else, then you get worse. Yeah. If you want to hire another worker, you have to go into the office, and then when you emerge from the office, <laughs> your weak. hands have withered. <laughs> You can't it's, hold the pie pan anymore. You, it's because you basically summon new pie workers into... into it's basically asexual reproduction, yeah. You it's make like, a, homunculus. Like them. Yeah, a homunculus pie man <laughs> or oh, lady. It doesn't, doesn't make a difference. It's still weird. Uh, so, yeah, you... Uh, however, this is a really cool thing. So there are different ingredients in the orchard, and the orchard is a hex grid. So maybe I send my worker out and he goes between these three hexes and then I can scoop up ingredients from the hexes. Um, I might get an apple, might get a banana, I'm trying to get the ingredients for my secret recipe. Ah, Everyone has a secret recipe which is put in a cardboard box. And here's the really cool thing. So when you bake pies, like you, every pie requires three ingredients. So you might throw out nine ingredients and go, I'm making two normal pies and my secret pie. And then the secret pie goes on the scoring track and everyone's like, everyone knows that within those nine ingredients are your thing. And you all have like something out of Sherlock Holmes, consultant detective, a little erasable pad with which to like scratch out ingredients and zero in on pie recipes. And those workers in the orchard, if they're low, if they're like the little weakling workers, you can send your experienced workers to spy on them. Yeah, it's it's really nice in the fact that whenever you hire new people, they're kind of useless, and you're like, well, what can I do to like get them better? And you're, like, I'll send them into the send outside them out world. To the outside. Like, you, know, you can go to the market and sell some of our pies, or you can like go and pick some fruit. And it's like this new worker is like. Has somebody okay? Hello. It's like, oh, I just got a job at the pie. Bar. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. What sort of things do they put in their pies? Well, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's what I did. I just like expanded really fast. I was just like, yeah, uh, you, yeah. you expanded. You had a whole host of interns, and none of them were allowed outside. They I know, right? on the door. No, they went out, and then you guys just stole all of my pie secrets. Yeah. But then I was just like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> know my secrets. Make my secret pies. I was sort of taking the Walmart approach. I was just like. Filling, filling all the shops with my pies, having an endless supply of, well, and it's like four workers who are just constantly <laughs> churning out these fruit pies. And everyone's like, we know the secret of your pies. And it's like, no one cares. But no, it was lovely that the whole secret recipe thing is kind of a gimmick. It doesn't really make a huge difference. Although there's a fun bit at the end where you have to um, guess like what somebody's pie recipe is on other other players because you're kind of doing the deduction and watching and you're like was it this this and this and if you're right you get points yeah it's not like a, a much of a game winner sort of thing it's not a huge amounts of points no but it was a real i really enjoyed it it was actually really really pleasant like it was a wonderful example of uh you know having truly like a a, a, a really accessible theme really lovely accessible art but like underneath it all a game with like pincers and it was yeah it was the sim- it was the best Euro game for how simple it yeah. is that I think i 've played in in, yeah. in a long long it, time. it kind of reminded me kind of like it 's not actually like Machikoro, but it felt like a EuroE Machikoro in the fact they have this wonderfully like charming, easy, accessible presentation, uh, a game with all the rules like very clearly kind of with symbols on the board. You can just start playing it was very simple, and what I love most about it, to be honest, was it was interesting. Had lots of interesting choices about what to do, but even though we were like you know day two of a con, blood sugar getting a bit wobbly and all that, I did not have analysis paralysis like at all. Like yeah. it did not have that thing where you get to the end of the game and like last turn, last few turns, you're like, Ugh. but it also didn't have that thing of being like it's two turns from the end and I've done nothing. <laughs> you know, it was like, it, it was a quick game, but I felt like I made some pies, I did some stuff, and then it ended and it wasn't stressful. Yeah, it was really, really Which nice. Which is rare. And Renegade's continuing to basically impress us. Like, it's, it, publishers really do sort of rise and fall in our estimation because really good publishers who care tend to routinely put out really good stuff. Um, very quickly, because I do want to move on to our game of the show, we're going to talk about Altipano. Uh Anyone here played Orléans? The lovely, yeah, some, okay, well. Orleans got a bigger applause than we did. That was. Um, no, it was. Uh, that sounded incredibly uh, snide. <laughs> um, I like Orleans, and it's, it's really good. Moving on. Uh, so, the thing with Orleans uh, and its now successor, Altiplano, um, we'll stick with Altiplano, but you, it's a, it's a bag building game. Yeah. You're, you are a guy in Peru. And you might have Peruvian things like yeah, alpacas I mean, and blankets. Yeah, it's disappointing because it's set in Peru, and you make blankets, and you have like uh, alpacas and lots of. Uh, you will go fishing and go into the mountains. But obviously, like unlike Orleans, which was a you know bravely a, a Euro game set in a kind of a Renaissance France sort of era, like an old-fashioned European setting, which you know we don't see enough of. Uh, this you know being Peruvian just felt a little bit trite. There's just hundreds of Peruvian themed Euro games out there, so thematically, you know, okay, fine. So, oh, what are we doing? Oh, trading out More alpacas. Great. Jeez. But, uh, you know, I really liked it. It was really good. It was, it was absolutely better than Orléans. It felt like the sort of caverna to Orléans Agricola. Um, uh, really, if you've not played these games, they are kind of worker placement games with a tremendous amount of flexibility, so you'll have like your ten resources. For me, it was like nine fish and a tenth thing that I'd forgotten because I was pursuing, I was pursuing a fish-focused strategy. You were, like, didn't not work. sustainably doing that. Like, no, I, ad- I actually ended the game because I emptied a lake, <laughs> and then it's like, you kind of assume that after that game ended, everyone had to leave the area. <laughs> yeah, this weird thing, like, whenever you're playing, like, um, any kind of Euro, you have this sense of a lot of time, there's not that much like interaction between players, and sometimes that's fine, sometimes it's, it's not. This one was one that didn't have a huge amount of interaction at all, to be honest, mostly yeah. just doing our own things. Occasionally having moments of somebody else snatching something just before you got it, you know, typical yeah. fare. But in this, it was kind of funny because the different locations were not just like anywhere, they were kind of in a circle and you could move between them. It kind of felt more like a place, like a little island. Kind of did, or up a mountain or wherever. Yeah, you know. but it meant that in my head, it was this weird thing of we were these five villagers living in this place, all doing entirely different <laughs> things and basically not really ever talking to each other. (laughs) And it's like I was like, you know, mine a bit of stone, cut down some trees, and then turn around. And it's just like, oh my god, that guy has like caught all of the fish in the sea. (laughs) It's like someone's gonna someone's gonna work with this guy. He's just like, ah, more fish, more fish. It's like, is he all right? You, you, just, you had so many blankets, and occasionally I would look over and I would just see you swaddled in 19 blankets and have no idea what you were doing. You were doing. filling a warehouse with fish, and we're like, they don't even keep... You can't... <laughs> just putting fish on shelves. It's like, is he okay? Yeah, the, there's a, a lot of nice mechanics in it, but essentially it's a worker placement game where you're not necessarily... If you get a fish, you don't put the fish in a farm to turn it into food, because everything requires multiple resources, which means that like if you, get, you draw eight symbols out of the bag on a turn, you might not... You might have too much wood in your bag but that's okay because you put like one wood on every spot that requires wood you're like half building a house half building a canoe because yeah, you can do it later you're like oh I'll go and, and then it gets l- it out of your bag so it's like a deck building game where rather than like you kind of put things into play mm. and then you forget about them and then you can't get them back off <laughs> yeah. easily it's i mean it's great in the fact that it is basically like the, your um, resources are just a deck so it is deck building but rather than it being that thing of being like, well, I'm going to get all these resources and build up my deck, and then, oh, I don't want these things, so I'm going to remove them. You still can permanently remove things by putting them in the warehouse, but you've also got that limbo of being like, well, I don't want it right now. So yeah. I'm just going to shift it into kind of like deck limbo, and then when I need it again, I can pull it back in. But then it's that point of you being like, why don't I have any food? And it's like, <laughs> I left it all in the alpaca farm. <laughs> and they're just like, I have to, I don't even want to go to the alpaca farm. Yeah, really, really I don't nice. even like those guys. <laughs> I like the alpaca token, but they didn't, you know, I like how they looked. It kind of had like a really weird, like kind of light feast for Odin sort of thing of like this idea of like making a little thing, get some wool, make a blanket, sell a blanket. Except it's a weird economy in which you sell a blanket and then, and then you steal it back again and sell it again over and <laughs> over again. Like I had three blankets and I made a mint. That was a thing. <laughs> a lot of cool people in town. <laughs> they teach you how trade contracts work and it's like you get a contract and then you put like the resources like glass on it. And then I'm like, oh, do you lose the glass? (laughs) It's like, no. (laughs) So it's like, what happened? Are we coaxing people here? I arrived to this game like really late, and they'd already had the rules explanation. I got given a really kind of threat, and it was fine. And it was like, "Okay," But then I was just looking at the boards, and I was like, this game doesn't make any sense. It's like you have to spend an alpaca and some food to get a food. (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) this is terrible economics. (laughs) Um, But it was was fine. It was good. Uh, Let's move on to something we are so, so excited to talk about. Let's move on to, how are we going to sing this? Ba-ba. It's our game of the show. I really can't sing today. It's because I'm accompanying you. All right, everybody, the best game we have played in a long, long time is here. It's at the convention. You can play it. It is the only booth with a queue at PAX Unplugged, and it is Fog of Love. Okay? Um, you guys might not have played this. It the is fact there's not that many claps is awesome because now we're going to tell you about this. And there's going to be some people here who are just going to go, you know, what? Well, that's not for me. But I hope a lot of people here will be like. Woo. Yeah, OK, so I've even got notes on this because we interviewed the designer. It is OK, well, where do you start? First, maybe you start with the fact that we sat down to play this at 9 p.m. and played it drinking beers until 2 a.m. 2 and yeah. like, we're like jet lagged to uh, we also were doing this while crying, laughing oh, and being moved. Yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, we, we find games funny quite a lot, especially if it's thematic or there's room for silliness or the card art doesn't quite make sense. And it's just like, oh, this is funny. But this was this wasn't just funny. It was like it was emotional. Yeah, it's also the most adult board game we yeah. have ever played. Like there are board games where it's like, oh, this is edgy. We're going to play Penny for my thoughts and we're all going to talk about torture. This is like this, this is capital A adult. This is like literature adult. It's grown up. And it's grown up because it's like, it's not just something that like, yeah, if you, you know, kids probably shouldn't play it. Like, there's not like really anything bad in it. But it's like, kids wouldn't really enjoy it. Kids wouldn't You know, like, they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get anything out of it. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, it's it's no exaggeration to say that, like, uh, finally, we have the equivalent of like a board game so adult and intense that you don't want to put it in front of kids just because they wouldn't get it, which I've never experienced before. Yeah. So uh, let's give them the, let's actually get yeah. more concrete. Sure. So uh, Fog of Love is essentially a Euro game where, for two players, where you manage a relationship. Okay, so... Um, I don't think it's a Euro game at all. No, it's like that's the nearest point that you could... Yeah, yeah. Board gamers, right? It's not really a Euro game. Um, it is a game where you kind of sketch out a rough character. The character is not you. In Matt and my first game, I was a... <laughs> you were a TV star called David. You know, I don't even remember your name, which is, says a lot about David. Barry. Yeah, see, that says so much about David, though, right? David doesn't really even... like he was. David was not a pleasant man. He wasn't a bad man, but he wasn't a pleasant man. So during character creation, you get a few cards which are assigned to you by the other player. So David noticed that Barry was short. That was very charitable of you. Um, muscular. Muscular and... S- stoned. Stoned. <laughs> Um also my occupation was criminal, which made us both laugh. Um, but we had this idea that we met at a party. Uh, but also you have a sort of Scrabble-like plastic thing, which in which you put cards in front of you. Um, and these cards are your characters' like inner world. Um, it's their traits. And th- they are completely secret for yeah. the whole game. So you start like this is why it models a real relationship, because you start and it's like. Oh, I was attracted to uh, David because, like, oh, he's a TV star, he has a booming voice, he has bedroom eyes. That's great, but I didn't know. What? You were like a manipulative, cynic, like, what? Right, so, I mean, basically, this was wonderful. Well, you start character creation by taking five of these traits and they basically determine like your needs as a character. Yeah, it's what you need to do to essentially end up happy. And it's ostensibly the way that the game sort of works is a bit like The Sims in terms of like, on a very basic level. Rather than being like, hey, hunger, or like, how clean are you? How, I mean, how clean <laughs> are you? Are you clean enough? I don't know. Uh, it's like you know specific things. Like, do you need to be like determined in your life, or do you need to be like relaxed? Are, are you like sensitive? Are, are you, you spiritual? Are you spiritual, or not? And, and basically, like you, your idea, your your aim of the game is to try and match who you are. Well, it can on the board. be. Well, no, I think it is. I mean, we can talk about that in a minute. But basically, yeah, you get these, and I. <laughs> this was the first game we played. Uh, the cards I drew of the five that I kept. It was a bit close to the bone, and it, as well it said in the manual a few times after we got this point it was like give this character another name this is not you it kept being like this isn't you <laughs> don't use your name it just say don't use your name it's like cuz it's not about that but i was cocky insecure and the Perfectionist. (laughs) and At this point already, I was a beer in and thinking, is this game going to cut me so close to the bone that I cry? (laughs) And the answer Um, was no, but yeah. So uh, there's a couple of mechanics worth explaining, but uh, essentially, as you work your way through the relationship, which is of a fixed length, you have a hand of cards, which are possible scenes, or secrets, or places, or responses, and you take turns playing cards, and these have three decks, which very elegantly are Sweet, Serious, and Drama. And you're pushed sort of between the three decks. So initially, it's a honeymoon period where it's like the cards are like, "Hey, what are we gonna have?" For- oh, the first card in David and Barry's relationship was, um, uh, "I'm gonna make you breakfast in bed," and it was you have, each card often gives options. So it's like, which of these things do you want? Often both players choose. And the central thing in Fog of Love is you both have big, nice, heavy. This is a beautiful game, by the way. Yeah. Um, heavy chips with A, B, C, D. You choose your response. So we had, it's like, I'm gonna make you breakfast. And it was what you wanted. And then what he made. Yeah. So, But then already, immediately, you're into second guessing because it's not just, you're not just trying to match up because your choices affect the uh, sliders, the personality sliders, which are affected by your traits. So for example, if I was a workaholic, which is hilarious because I was a criminal. um, (sighs) Criminals work hard too, all right? Yeah, I was stressed out of my mind. That's the real thing. (laughs) uh, I had to, at the end of the game, have made enough choices that pushed me into the determined as opposed to disorganized. Yeah. Um, but that meant... So, like, in a lot of your choices, it's not just, oh, we should match. But even matching is hard because it's like, even from that very first breakfast card, it's like, well, I know what I would make him, but what does he want? Yeah. And then what did you expect? What did you want? And so... Well, so I wanted kind of the game, like a brioche... Uh, you wanted something so fancy. Brioche. I think it was... Uh, it, was oh, it was creme caramel, like... Crème caramel waffles or something like that. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, in bed, I mean, how luxurious would that be, right? I'm gonna have a vote in this in a minute. And what he made me was like uh, poached eggs with fresh, like, fresh fruit and fresh strawberries. What would you be- If you'd rather have poached eggs and fresh fruit, put your hand up. If you'd rather have like crème caramel waffles in bed, yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> But but the thing is, already one of the things we forgot to mention is at the start you choose your traits, you give your character a name, and then you have to very basically describe like a couple of sentences of who your character is, and you'd be like, oh, you know, I'm David, I, I work in TV, and I this sort of thing, and I, I'm yeah. But then then the other character has some like physical attributes or some attributes about you that they give you and they choose for you, being like, I think you've got like you know, slightly wonky nose, and, you know, he's stoned and he's short and he's muscular. So right from the start, it's basically a case of like, it's kind of, this is the crazy thing about this game, right? It's kind of a half-collaborative role-playing game about a relationship and if somebody tried to get me to sit down and said, hey We're gonna play a collaborative relationship get a role oh my game, I would not do it. Yeah, but within this framework It's fascinating and amazing fun. Well the main final dark piece of the puzzle that this game Which also by the way has the best tutorial I might have played in any game ever It's similar to Friedman freezes fast-forward stuff whereby um, you read a very simple page of the manual. You start playing, and as you work through the decks, you occasionally hit tutorial cards, which teach you how the game works. It's the smoothest, fastest, most fun way to learn a complicated game I've ever experienced. So already, like that's the level of design we're dealing with here. So eventually, as you're a while into the relationship and you're making each other breakfast and going to dinner and encountering problems, Uh, or not, depending on how your game goes, it introduces destiny cards. And this is the darkest and most interesting part of the game. Because you start with a hand of four cards, which are like ways that you could conceivably be happy. Are we going to be like absolutely and genuinely loving to one another? Uh Are we just going to be equal partners where it's fair? Or are you going to dominate me? Like, thin ripple of laughter, and we laughed as well, but also it's like, if you are if you are an adult and you talk to people about experiences, that is something that even if you haven't experienced it, you'll know that friend whereby they have less power in the relationship. They are dominated by their partner. And it works for the partner, maybe it doesn't work out so well for them. Yeah, and it's this weird, like, distant thing of... When we started, we thought it was like about role-playing the characters, but in the manual, it's very clear that you're not. You're role-playing together with the story. And that's what it feels like, because it was kind of like... I remember with our, our first game, and it was David and Barry, and it was like... My character was a bit of a dick. He wasn't like awful, but he was insecure and he was cocky. And because of that, it meant that whenever things happened, it was like, well, this is the choice that gets me the stats that make my character like most happy about themselves, which is kind of ostensibly your aim in the game, is to try and make it so that you as a character are happy with your life and who you are. But then once you've done that, you then maybe try and work out what the other player is going for and try to help them get there? Well, so this is the dark thing. So you start with those four destinies of all the different ways you could be happy, and then as the game gets closer to the end, you have to voluntarily discard one. So you go we're never going to be gentle together yeah. that's just not going to be an option let's put that away but this is done secretly yeah. so I might have gone i'm never going to be gentle because i might look at my traits and be like oh i had domineering as one of mine or something i'm controlling or oh, no manipulative that is yeah. it so i knew i would never be gentle to him so i threw away that he might still be working for that yeah like it was but it was also the fact with the destiny's thing it's like it was a weird thing it was like both ca- both people discard a destiny card and you look at it and you're like and the fa- the fact you hold a card in your hand that says like um you know Unrestrained affection. What was it? Undying affection, or whatever. Like yeah. genuine love, basically. And the fact that you have to, then you just go: Is this relationship between these two fictional characters we're working with ever going to result in genuine love? And you go, no, discard. Uh, there is even, as you play on later, it's possible for relationships to end in marriage or breaking up or actually darker stuff, which I don't want to spoil. It's also got expansions coming, including a paranormal expansion. Um, but it, yeah, we, we had a thing where basically in our first game, towards the end, it was uh, I found like it was quite melancholic because is this weird. But, but can we are we going to talk about the middle? Go, go for it. Okay, so it was sad. We were kind of we were trying to find our place for the first chapter, and in the third chapter, it all fell apart. But in the second chapter, we had some moments where we went out for dinner, and unexpectedly, in the op- list of options, it's like this is going to be something else we won't agree on. We both chose something romantic, and it was like one of the sliders was something to do with not sincerity, but. It was gentleness. It was gentleness, yeah. And we suddenly discovered that these two characters, who were both loud, who both had sort of brash personalities, whatever it was in a combination of our cards and the destinies we'd chosen, we suddenly found ourselves clicking. Yeah. And then I played a card from my hand, which was like uh, Romantic Cabin Getaway, which doubles the effects of the next card. Because obviously, who here has gone on holiday with someone and it's a lot of pressure because it's going to be really romantic. (laughs) And um, and that can go well or badly. but so then we've had this romantic cabin getaway, and then the sum car came up to do with, then we went out for like a dinner or had an argument and it was, but we kept hitting the gentle options and it was like, Yeah. And it was, for a moment, it was so romantic. It was a rocky relationship. People are laughing, and we were laughing. We were crying laughing, but also, like, do you remember that card where it was, like, where do you see, it was, like, the the, do you want to have a kid card. So it's, like, it's just the discussion. It's, like, do you see yourself in 10 years with a kid? (laughs) Oh, my word. And we both flipped the card, which was, like, yeah, in 10 years we'd have a kid. And Matt and myself didn't laugh. We looked at each other and went. went, (laughs) Just nodded quietly as if to go. Yeah, I'm really like, we both feel like maybe we want kids and yeah, it was the first time we had that conversation and yeah. (laughs) And it was just like, and then then we were just so sincerely nodding as if to go, that's great. And then we just fell apart laughing because it was just like, what is going on? uh, But then should should we move on to uh, Well, I mean, I just want to say it was sad in the end in the fact that like we We had this rocky start where we were like, you know We kind of had this idea in our head that maybe like, you know, you were a drug dealer I was a TV star Maybe I wanted someone a bit rough on the side a bit of edge But then it was like I was insecure and for a long time I really hoped especially in that bit in the middle where our characters seemed to be like, oh, maybe this could work But then it's like I kept we kept disagreeing you kept being more and less and less happy and my character kept being like a an asshole. Well, there's a, uh, and then I basically, because basically the idea of the game is you want to be as happy as, well, you want to do as well as you can and make you try to make the relationship work. But then at the end, it's about you play a destiny card and there's criteria and you see if you did it or not. And you played like equal partners, being like, that's what my destiny is. We can be like equal partnership. And I played dominant and basically like I needed to be in control and the to darkest. be happier than you. And so, and I won. And it was like. Oh, this relationship carries on, but it's just a bad relationship. Yeah. And like the darkest part in it was uh, you can play reaction cards. You can play. No, no, no. I meant cards where it's like you both reveal the chips <laughs> I think and it then goes you go. Wrong. No, no, no. But really, I, I changed my option because I do agree with you. Um, but I got one of those uh, that worked similarly, whereby uh, because I was so desperate to have a level of. I think all I needed was to feel that I was, oh, I was, self, I was jealous as well. And I, was, and I was gunning for equal That's partnership. right. That's right. <laughs> Man, all I wanted was to feel like an amount of respect and love. And you were so much happier than I was that in a particular round, we were like going out and having a night out. And um, I had played the card Crocodile Tears because it was, an op- it was an ability for me to lower his happiness. So I was crying. I was crying to try and make you feel sorry for me. And it was like pathetic. And Matt chose the option, which was like, I'll oh, grow up. And and my happiness went down even further, and it's like, oh my god! Because he was trying to be dominant, but we didn't know that. But the the thing, the thing that blew us away, and this is why, after we finished, I then sat down and played another game and had another entirely different relationship. Oh, this was so funny with Ben, who's out here with us, and and we played. Let's talk about Sharon and what was it, Thomas? Sharon and Thomas. Sharon and Thomas were a mess from the start. (laughs) Like they were. I was, I was Thomas, Ben was Sharon, and uh, they were childhood sweethearts, and I was kind of like a kind of like spiritual hippie-ish guy. I was a chef. I was very happy-go-lucky. I was impulsive. And Sharon was at, worked in banking, and she was quite uptight, and she was quite stressed. What Matt didn't know is that uh, two very important archetypes of Ben's personality was that— or Sharon, rather. Sharon was conservative? Um, which changed a lot because conservative versus spiritual led to some unbelievable... Should we talk about the two cards we're thinking of? Yeah. <laughs> I, know? I, I don't know what you're thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, uh, very early on, like, you know, your high school sweethearts, you're sort of like, there's a new destiny because as you... Oh, there are multiple scenarios in this, frankly, it's because it also has the white design. It's like time stories, yeah. but like you're exploring a timeline that's actually interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Well, we got zombies, asylum, medieval knight-like Egypt. Like, I'd rather be in Thomas's world. Um, it's because so early on, it's like you've left school and you have this new destiny, which is like finding out who you truly are. And so it, and my point is that as you, there are chapters and expansions and sealed booster packs in the box, so, which add new cards to the decks. And so in yours, it was trying to find out who you are. Yeah. So that manifested for Thomas by quite early on playing a card, which was... Hey, Sharon. Do you want to uh, watch this erotic video together? And Sharon immediately is like, "No, that's disgusting." And it's like, "Yeah, that's what I thought." That's horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> and then the next card, <laughs> the next card, Ben played as Sharon was. What are you thinking about? And on the options was just <laughs> sex. And I was just like, sex. <laughs> and she was like, "Oh, I thought I thought you'd be thinking about this." And it's just like, no, he thought no. you were thinking about D option D, something sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and, then, and then I had a follow-up and I was like, I played another car, which was like, hey, uh, going for a nice walk. I haven't seen anyone around here, actually, and uh, the grass seems quite soft. Maybe we could, you know, fool around outside. Do you want to have sex outside? She was just like, no. <laughs> and then it was just this... No, but it even, there were echoes of that later on, like, because then you'd explore the relationship and there was other hilarious stuff. Like, you had that breakup in your history where you picked two options where Sharon was like, do you remember when we broke up for like five minutes and uh, Thomas was like, I oh, thought that was five years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a lot of misunderstandings. And I mean, early on though, it was, there was an element of sadness to it, but also real realism and the fact that in this chapter, one of the first questions it asks both characters is like, um, like, you know, are we in this for the long run? Are we like really, how do you see the relationship? And it's like either like yeah I'm hundred percent committed. Let's we're absolutely in this for the long run. The other one's like well I think we just need to be true to ourselves and see how it goes. And we both chose that, and it was like that's a sensible thing. But it was also slightly sad. <laughs> and, and the thing that really just blew my mind about the game, this game, and found me like thinking this is just actually genuinely one of the most exciting games I've ever played, just because it's it's tackling a topic, an area that just I haven't even played like video games that have done it well before. Is Again, there is no video. Hey board gamers, look forward if you if you love board games. There is no video game on earth I have played that explores relationship this well. No, and Matt and I work still in video games. Yeah, the, the mechanics, literally the mechanics of the game were just a reflection of the reality of relationships. And it meant that actually it's a game that was, even though it's two players, it's really fun to spectate. Oh my goodness. It's basically you can like easily play it with three or four. I had almost more fun watching than I did. Like when Thomas and... <laughs> sorry okay, Matt it's almost okay. Sharon I knew them like I didn't I don't know them but I knew them they were high school sweethearts they had nothing in common they weren't right for each other at the core of their relationship they had a real problem they did not have a sex life it was a real issue but the thing about this crucial is you know before that David and Barry they were like you know, they they never seemed to agree with each other, but there was chemistry, right? They had nothing in common, but there was chemistry. Whereas with Sharon and Thomas, they had nothing in common, but whenever it came to an important decision, they both kind of agreed on the same thing. And they were like, you know, so there was no problems in the relationship. It was always like, yeah, we kind of- It was pretty smooth. It was smooth, but wrong. And it's it like, like, I know these people, like, people, <laughs> it's like, it was, And this is the reason it's a grown-up game, right, is the fact that if you're a person who has had relationships or has had friends with relationships and seen all the ways that relationships can go slowly, subtly wrong or work for one person, not the other way and experience the joy of when things work or the melancholy, but also it's like you're... And eavesdropping, it's like you get to have that conversation with yeah. your friends, but these friends don't exist. You're like, you were there being like that. Sharon and Thomas, there's no way this is gonna work. This is a nightmare. <laughs> like, what are they doing together? Yeah, like and we I gave was, you a name. I was called Terrence. Every time I made a comment, and like, that's this is like, this is gross. You know, it would be we would immediately assume it was a Facebook uh, comment, <laughs> yeah. <or> like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I thought I blocked you, Terrence. Uh, yeah here's the thing though like it's a board game where it's when we say like adult like um it's not even a board game that i consider that i would have enjoyed if i was 18. it's like yeah. this is a board game for like people who are 25 and older so also let me just throw some stats out to you real quick not stats but facts out to you real quick because we were like how did this happen yeah so we went over to the booth um uh to talk to a designer oh i have got his name somewhere uh, uh jacob jaskoff who's danish and was like what's your background and uh, he works in and as like for his day job Uh, behavioral design and user needs. Um, He's actually worked in big pharma, which means something very different in Europe than it necessarily does in America. He was like working to make sure people take the drugs that they need to do to stay alive. So like, this fog of love is a board game that came from a guy whose job it is to make sure people take their insulin, for example. And yet, uh, the story behind this game is that this, uh, you know, guy who studies psychology and philosophy owns a thousand board games, but his wife didn't want to play any of them. And the really interesting... And so, honestly, he he was telling us, like, this is a game I made for a focus group of one, my wife. And uh, he was... But the fun thing he was saying is that uh, if you study literature, everything is either uh, sort of... The action is outward-focused or it's inward. And if it's outward, that tends to be, like, you know, sci-fi, fantasy. It is literally every board game on the shelf. Yeah. Except for potentially role-playing games. Um, This is inward, inward, like, focused on personalities. It is... What you find in quote unquote literature, so that's that's what this is, and it was 18 months of work, and he's poured his heart into it, and now Walmart have picked it up. It's a huge, huge deal. Um, what, what else are we going to say? I mean, like, I just, I'm just reeling. I was just blown away by it, and it had really funny moments. Like we had, we, you know, we had a moment like towards the end of the game with Sharon and Thomas where like. Again, like, Thomas had been a dick, but it was a different sort of thing. They'd, neither of them had been perfect in a relationship, and it was just a bit of a mess. And then it turned out there was some weird weirdness where, because we didn't know that you were supposed to keep drawing cards up, I didn't have many cards, so I had a kind of left-field thing where I was suddenly like, even though we were high school sweethearts, I was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I've been married before," <laughs> and also I have a baby. That was another card that came out, and it was mainly that was like not the fault of the game. We just weren't drawing cards, and so I was like, "I guess I'm already married." I don't know how all that <laughs> happened, as out of high school. In the well, we've been apart for five years, so things happen. Sharon, if you're gonna, <laughs> is Ben here? <laughs> ben, are you here anywhere? I'm going to presume you are somewhere. Thanks, Sharon. Don't leave me alone for five years. Of course, I'm going to. It's okay Thomas. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, there was a point where it was like she kind of like forgave me We had a car which was literally like asking oh, for forgiveness. Oh no, but that was dark man Because she forgave you, but like the way that that skewed the stats on the board was like I forgive you And it was like oh no good will come of this because like it the the sure. her, that, At that point she disliked you so much more the only way she could have won is like domineering or Yeah, actually, that had a thing where it's like, if you chose, I forgive you, then you had the choice to take the destiny, which was not currently in this in this game, take the dominant card and add it to your oh, destiny Oh, to thing. change what they're playing To change the for. relationship because and change to be like, okay, I forgive you, we're going to carry on this relationship, but I'm going to be in charge of it now, which is... Yeah. <laughs> we're know, just reeling. Like Honestly, we thought that this, us talking about fog of love would be funnier for you guys, but I think all we're able to do is just a fuse. The one thing that made me really laugh was the fact that I had this thing of being like, when I said like, look, I want your forgiveness. The outcome for me when I was forgiven was I had to change one of my traits. Like I had to be like, you know, all right, one of these traits is going to go away and I'm going to draw up a new one. And you discarded and Discarded spiritual. A spiritual randomly. So I was no longer spiritual. And you were like, because you were like, he was spectating to the point that he'd stood up and walked around the outside table so he could look at my cards. And he went, oh, no, because it's like... That was uh, such a core tenet of who you were. And I kind of like, we were so into it at that point. It was like one in the morning and I was like, I kind of ran with it. And I, I basically gave a little spiel because it's weird how you do not start playing this game role playing at all. But then as it goes on, increasingly the cards just say, tell the other player about this and it's really vague and you make it up and you just do. But I basically was like, look, in the past... I've been a person who's maybe not taken responsibility for who I am and I've always thought about like, you know, higher forces and this idea of everything happens for a reason and, and I think it's time for me to stop doing that and I need to accept who I am and I make mistakes and I need to own them and so that was me not being spiritual, I drew up three cards to replace one of them, I had to choose one of them and two of them were, it's this idea of like, I've changed, I've changed, now I'm hypocritical. <laughs> Or oh, what was the other one? Oh, it was hypocritical like bitter. Bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And it was like, in the end, though, in fact, there was a third one was just, like a person who believes in right and wrong. And I was like, okay, I'll say that. It <laughs> was goodness. this idea of like, I've changed, I'm not like that anymore. Now I'm hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> was, we were just like... I mean, the thing was, the one thing I had about this where I was like, is this the sort of game that you play a couple of times and half of the joy is reading the cards for the first time? And I was sort of torn between that. But I had this realization that like some of the cards, when you pick them up and look to them, just had us laughing or reeling or going, oh my, no, this is like too much. But then I thought about it and one of the cards which really got us was a trip to Ikea. And and I thought about that and I was like, you know what, even though this is specific, this is something that you can play with over and over again because every relationship has a trip to Ikea. (laughs) And it's always different and it's, almost always bad and I just kind of realized that yeah even though these are really specific things in our relationship compared to the relationship I had with Sharon it's totally different and it's just like it it, it is even a game that will teach you maybe a little bit about how to be a better person because one of the only ways on the Ikea card that doesn't result in you both losing like for each other is like a specific quote which is you know what I'm sure we can find something that we both like. Let's just relax and take it easy. That was good, but the only one which was safest was for one player to say, whatever you want. Yeah. If one player said, you know what, whatever you want, it was fine. But then you have to change the slider, and you become more <laughs> pliable. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, there no! Was, there were uh, some cards in there that were actually really manipulative as well, and we didn't go near that because none of our characters felt like openly mean, but some of the stuff was literally like you could, because the traits that you have to do, some of them are like, by the end of the game, you have to get your determination high, but sometimes it was determination of the group high. And so if you have a situation where in the relationship that's happened randomly, you get the sense that, like, you're both going for a thing that is opposite, then the only way this relationship is going to work is if you change that person. And there were cards, I think one of the cards that said, like, putty in my hands. If you you can... It's horrible. you You get the opportunity to name one of the traits, like, I think you're trying to be disorganized. Like, yeah, like, I think you're too disorganized, disorganized and you need and to if, change. And if they're correct, then you give it a clean slate and they lose that trait because for the rest of that relationship, you're going to be dogging them about that one thing. And it's this thing of like, is that cool? Is that <laughs> not? And as adults, it's just we brought up some in-between, like just some... It had me thinking about a lot of stuff. It has talking about relationships. It had us being like rolling our eyes as if to go, yes, this is just a thing for everyone. Yeah, we should, uh, we should wrap this one up for the podcast at home. We're going to be doing a Q&A after this, um, but people will be free to leave. But, uh, yeah, just to end this, we'll say uh, it is so fantastic to— this doesn't happen that often— yeah. uh, just to find a board game which teaches us, not just, not just reminds us why we love the hobby, but makes us so excited for the future of the hobby because this came out of nowhere. This came out of a guy in Denmark pouring 18 months into a game trying to please his wife. And it's like, well, what's going to happen next year, next month, yeah. next week? Um, so, yeah, thank, big thanks to Jacob and everybody. Uh, probably it's going to be very difficult to go and play Fog of Love because, like we said, it has a queue. Um, however, it is going to be increasingly available across America and Europe over the next few weeks. And you can look forward to multiple <laughs> expansions in 2018, one of which, as I say, is a paranormal relationship. These are big expansions. What, I think one of the last, because it has like sealed packs in the box, one of the last boxes in it, in the, the base box, one of the packs was just called... we give it a year. Oh, yeah. Which is just like, oh. Uh, Also, uh, but you know, if you want something cheerier, uh, one of the uh, boxes (laughs) next year coming is uh, fight with the (laughs) in-laws. And there's a third, I forget. But yeah, he's planning on supporting it and the sales are going really well. Like I say, has a Walmart exclusive. So yeah, big thanks to Jacob. And you can expect the official Shut Up and Sit Down video review in January of next year. Thank you very much for listening to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, everybody.